Welcome to another episode of the Trailblazer Podcast, where we celebrate men who are making a difference in their world. I'm your host, William Walker, and today we have part two of an interview I did with Whitley Dykes. Whitley is the proud owner of the Irritable Bowel here in Auburn, Alabama, but he also lives his life with intentionality and leads his family in a way that his story had to be told. If you'd like to go back and listen to episode six, where we got it all started, please do so. But with that, enjoy part two. All right. So, and and so in this seven year journey, obviously this is where you met your wife, yeah. you met her family, mm-hmm. kind of what was, how, how, how long into that was mm-hmm. your, your time into China before Not you long. met her? Not <laughs> long. I met her that first, uh, when I moved to, to do mission work, I met her within a month or two and I knew her for about 10 months before I'm like, all right. There, and I was interested beforehand. I was interested. I was like, I'm not here for that. I don't even know if I'm coming back next year. Get behind not, me. Yeah, no. get behind me, Satan. I don't, I don't need this distraction. Man, she's pretty. And man, she's got a heart for God. Her journey's cool with God, too. He came to her in a dream. Jesus came to her in a dream. It was awesome. Um, and uh, she was helping me with Bible studies and things like that. But it's after I left my organization, I was able to be like, all right, what's... And I knew I was coming back. I'm like, mm-hmm. what does the future look like with this girl? Because I had, I had conversations I shouldn't have had at the time with her about, about the future, about me being interested in her, about mm-hmm. me, you know, sharing my, my past with her. And she was so much like Jesus in this, in these moments where there's two conversations in particular with my wife. The first one was, Hey, look, you're awesome and everything, but here's where I stand. I'm going to go where God calls me to go. And I'm going to do what God call, tells me to do. That might mean I move to India and I live amongst the poorest of the poor and I serve and have nothing. It might mean I move to the Middle East and get martyred for my faith. I don't know what it looks like. I did, definitely didn't think it meant me moving to the United States and owning a business and doing things like that, right? But and she's like, "That's awesome. I just want. I just want. I want the same thing and I want to do it with you." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, okay." Mm-hmm. And then the second thing was I got. I had to share my past with her about the mistakes I'd made, the shame I had carried, and. And she, she looked at me and she's like, you're a new creation. Mm. Yeah, the old you is gone, the new you is here. You're clean, you're forgiven. It was like, she was so much like Jesus in that moment that I'd, I'd never encountered like a love like that, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that wouldn't hold you hostage because of the crap of your past. I knew that God had forgiven me, but like, I knew that I'd have to tell my future wife about my past. And, uh, and she, she just welcomed me and, uh, and I said, I didn't propose. I just told her I was going to marry her. That was my mm-hmm. proposal. I was like, I'm going to marry you. That was it. And we got married two months later. <laughs> you know, I was like, once you, you know, it's not like if you know, you know. I know that people like to say that. Um, but, but you know, being married, it's, it's love is an act of the will, not an act of the feel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not yeah. like I feel like doing it. It's, it's, I got moments where you want to leave everything behind and just go run away or you want to go. And, and, but we knew in that moment, like, us saying yes to each other is us saying yes to Jesus first. And so that no matter what comes, this is happening, mm-hmm. right? And so we made that decision two months in. We thought about, we're like, oh, let's wait a year, you know, get to know each other better. Like, it's probably the wise thing to do. And then we just kept moving up the date. We're like, why are we going to wait till then? Why don't we do it this time? Why don't we do it? And then we just, I came back home, got my paperwork, and then moved back to China. And the next day we got married. That's that was it. We went to the courthouse and we said, "Let's do this life together." Man, and it's that's... been it's been like that ever since. So I don't necessarily advise my children to do that, but it is what it is. Hey, you were listening to God. You were listening to. Yeah. So you're not going to advise your children. Not, hey, if God, this is what's telling God's telling you, then that's what you're going to do. Yeah. What What I loved about that story was the similarity mm-hmm. 
of, you know how God always uses or Jesus always tells the story he's coming for his bride, right? And the freedom that you got when you shared your past with your soon-to-be wife at that point. Mm. And it's no, I mean, and it's just like, there's all these amazing things that we, I think we overlook sometimes. Yeah. And and honestly, it, it really made me reflect on a time in my life with my wife. We were, we'd already been married. Um, I had a, for years I struggled with pornography. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was a time in our life where we were, at, we were actually at a, uh, a freedom conference. Yeah. It was our first freedom conference. Mm-hmm. It was the one we were going to as participants. And I heard God going, hey, it's time for you to tell her. And I'm like, oh, heck no, bro. Heck no. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh-uh, I know how this is going to end. How long has you been married at this point? A couple years. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. three years, yeah. right? You know, so, and, and, and I went to her and I was like, hey, I have something I have to tell you. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she goes, why didn't you tell me so I could help you? Yeah. And man, I just like, like, <laughs> like. And, and, and when you told that story, A, it reminded me of that moment. But mm-hmm. then it also reminded me, like, that's what Jesus is telling. That's what he's talking about mm-hmm. in, when, he's, when he's talking about coming back for his bride. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's that love. Mm-hmm. And I think so often as men, we don't see that. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the freedom that comes with the truth and the grace and the love and it's it's a hundred percent both of those it's not like you get some grace and some love no it's mm-hmm. it's a hundred percent and it just it's so powerful and so beautiful you marry um, somebody you go to war with like that's mm-hmm. really i think i think that i think that family and marriage is like god's vehicle for like a sustained revival in in the world right and yeah. so like if you Marriage is like, I think marriage is the highest test of how much you believe the gospel because you have to come back time and time again and be like, can I forgive this person? Can they forgive me? Mm-hmm. And so like having somebody on the same page with you being like, no matter what comes, I'm walking with you through this and we're mm-hmm. going to do it together and I'm going to fight for you in prayer. I'm going to fight for you by setting boundaries mm-hmm. and standards. I'm going to say no when I should say no. All of these things are good, healthy things. And and I think that's, you know, people, some young guys are like, what do I, you know, what do I look for? And I'm like, somebody that'll, somebody that'll war with you, somebody that'll, will, will uh, walk out God's purposes for you and do it in a, in a way that, that, yeah, I, I don't know that it's, yeah, that's, it's like an action plan. It's like a battle plan mm-hmm. for, for, I don't know. So hundred percent. Yeah. So I yeah. just got finished reading or I listened to the book Captivating by John Eldridge. I'm a huge John Eldridge John fan. Eldridge, yeah. Yeah. I love him. Um, but Captivating is the woman's version of mm-hmm. Wild at Heart. Mm-hmm. Bro. You want to talk about broke my heart listening to this book, but open my eyes to how much and how amazing and how important my wife is. Yeah. So a couple things it says. Gosh, now I got to read this, especially with my girls. Really, really. Because I've read Wild at Heart. You need to read this book. Okay. Okay. And and one of the first things it talks about is Eve was the very last thing God created when he said everything's good. Yeah. Yeah. She is, our wives are, your daughters are, my sisters are, the crown of creation. Hmm. Hmm. And we don't look at them that way. Yeah. But it also talks about how, you know, we, what, I don't, I don't remember the, the proper Greek term or Latin term, whatever it is for what they, what the Bible says, friend in there or mm-hmm. companion mm-hmm. or helper yeah. is actually a much deeper, mm-hmm. much more intentional word mm-hmm. of someone who's walking next to you. 
and like a woman's heart, they want to be invited into the adventure that you're going to live and mm-hmm. want to walk that out. Mm-hmm. And we dismiss that as men so many times. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, we think there's this, they're supposed to be pretty and what? And it's yeah. like, yeah, there is, there's that role that they have, yeah. but they want to be a part of us. And, and when we marry them, we have to bring that in. We have to be willing to bring that in and walk that out with them and have that battle plan mm-hmm. and have that. Because without them, like, it's just a lonely, miserable place that doesn't have this beauty that they bring. I mean, John Eldridge obviously says it best. You know, we have a battle to fight, yep. an adventure to live, yep. but a beauty to rescue. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, yes. I, I read that early on before I, like, and, and I remember being like, I'm going to read this again when I get married. I'm going to read this again when I have kids. I just, like, I literally yet? just finished it up again okay. for the third or fourth time last time. Okay. Yeah. I, I just it, and there's so many more things popped out of it, mm-hmm. right? Um, that I'm just like it's got scribbles through the whole. Book. <laughs> I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna have to go back. So I bought that book. I purchased the book for people in the past. I might have actually bought it for my wife way back when. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna have to read and, that and myself. But do captivating yeah. as well because yeah. captivating, yeah, yeah, captivating is not water hard. I got water hard on the okay. shelf. I already know what that says. I want right. to see captivating. Yeah, captivating yeah, yeah. definitely read. All yeah. right, so I mean, so so you you serving as a missionary. You know, in the in the mission field, you know, really just being intentional about how you're living out your faith in these areas that God's giving you influence in, whether it's teaching at a university, whether it's working as a tutor to help people understand English better, mm-hmm. um, and, and doing that. But then you get married, and y'all are like, "Hey, God's calling us back to the United States." Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, you know, the Chinese culture is a very tight knit family. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that like? What was that journey like for you? And and really. Where were you at, man? We're gonna we're gonna go on for hours. Yeah, yeah, we're good. I'm good. Um, yeah, we've been married at this point for I think four years when we started really considering coming back to the U.S. Um, I had applied for a ministry school, got accepted, but we were really stupid in the way that we went about it. We were trying to come over on a visitor visa and live here, you know. And they'll that I don't know what I was doing, and uh, that we got rejected twice, two or three times, <coughs> and so there was a, more of a delay. But in 2016, we decided, like, once her visa got processed, which was kind of long, uh, was fully accomplished, and she's got her visa. We moved back in April of 2016, and like I said, the the reason we moved back is because we believed we could use, we could bear more fruit, we could use our gifts and our talents and our abilities way better for the kingdom of God here in the United States. And I think it's proven to be a good move for us. China was definitely the right season. But for her, she never had any desire to come to the United States. Um, she loves her family. She loves being around her family. Um, but man, this girl, she's, she thrives. Everything she does, she thrives. Everything she touches turns to gold. She just excels, whatever. She's got this... Uh, this uh, get her done kind of like mentality as a Chinese girl. Like she's just, I don't, I don't, she's, she's so special. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, every job that she had, I mean, I'm talking about, she would just blow it. She didn't finish her college. She dropped out of college so she could get married to me. And so she, uh, everything that she did though, she excelled at and nothing's changed with where we're at right now. But, but I think that leaving her family was kind of, I think it was difficult for her, but they'd come over every half year to visit anyway. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, they're eventually going to be here with us long-term, Lord willing, and, uh, and live with us and stuff. But I, uh, f- for me... Boundaries. 
boundaries. Yeah, we're gonna have a guest house or something in the back. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's not gonna. Yeah, we're gonna. We're trying to. We're trying to get our finances right so that we can. We can do it properly. Just, just, you know? just throwing out that reminder. Mother in law suite in the back, something, and uh, but they won't be able to come back for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. But, but it is. I think it's important for us to, to kind of, like, that's how they do things, and I and I'm okay with that, and I want mm-hmm. them to be taken care of. They don't speak any English, so if they do move move over here, it's not like I can just we're gonna go put them somewhere and let them. No, nah, we, we, I want to honor her parents and I want to, <clears throat> even if something, God forbid, ever happened to my wife, I still want to take care of her parents mm-hmm. and still have them like, please be here with me. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's weird to talk about, but, uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't know about my wife really. I think it was, it's been such a blur over the past seven years, this, this entire journey and things have moved so fast because we have yeah, April, 2016. So seven years. And so my time over there seems like it was moving like molasses, just slow, and it was a grind, and I wasn't necessarily enjoying what I was doing with teaching on a professional level, um, but I was getting fulfillment out of the relationships I was having. Mm-hmm. Here, it's just been a whirlwind, and the seven years here is, maybe it's me getting older, but seven years here is way faster than seven years over there. Yeah. So, but I, I mean, we, we made the right move. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why I talked about all of the things I talked about, but we made the decision to come over here to be more impactful. We made that move thinking we wouldn't land in Auburn. We did land in Auburn and, and it's proven incredibly beneficial for us as a family and as business people and, and all that. So she's really, my wife's been pretty awesome. So that is awesome. It's funny you yeah. say that. It just kind of makes me think about, Hey, is it just, is it a cultural thing? Mm-hmm. You know, our, our, and, and I, cause I think other cultures, in the world probably do it better yeah. than we do in America mm-hmm. uh, being able to go hold on stop mm-hmm. and being okay with the stop and being okay with the pause and understands the importance of the Sabbath the pause the mm-hmm. and here in America we don't it's like hey man and and part of that is just it's it's in the DNA of of, of the of what this country was absolutely formed on, right? absolutely we have to go forward yeah. we have to strive we have to work hard mm-hmm. like from the very beginning when yep. we came over on the Mayflower, I guess, or whatever, yeah. wherever, however yeah. that all started. How but it all worked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, there was, there was always that, that, that rebellious, that. Uh, we got to make a way for ourselves. Yes. Kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I, and yeah. I don't, I mean, I haven't been, I haven't traveled a lot of, country, a lot of yeah. countries outside the United States mm-hmm. for the most part. It's been Puerto Rico. In Mexico, mm-hmm. um, we won't get into either one. I mean, Puerto Rico was good. Mexico, yeah. we won't get into. That's what I was in the Marine Corps. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Um, battling cartels or something. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> I can promise you, it was not battling cartels. In the Marines down there. For, yeah. um, but uh, I, I, you're right. It's, it's in the it's in the DNA of who we are as a people and as a country, and it's that's what capitalism is as well. I mean, it's you know make make a life for yourself if you work hard enough. Or if you put your mind to it, you can do anything you want to do and you can make a life for yourself. That's why people come to pursue the American dream from outside. They believe, they people from outside of the United States, yes, not everybody loves us there. People, people hate us other places. I mean, it's been like that for a long time. But people who want to make a life for the, themselves and for their remaining, the, the following generations, believe in what they can do in the United States more than Americans believe in oh. what they can do. They will come over and they will make a way. They won't try to, they won't try to just ride the system and just sit on their hands and do it. Like, I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't, I, I don't know. 
I don't know, but they and they do, and they do. But that's what yeah. makes that, that to me is what yeah. makes America great. Yeah. Is that? Yeah, yeah. And we as Americans have become comfortable and yeah, blind to it. Yeah. I mean, but that's what happens when you live in it and you sit in it. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Mm-hmm. I mean, you look, you sit in the same room every single day. You don't necessarily you sh- at first you see the nick on the wall. Yeah, yeah. But after about a week, all of a sudden you're like, hey, where was that nick at? I don't remember where it is, mm-hmm. and it never moved. Yeah, and you didn't paint it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. You just stop seeing it. Yeah. Um, and it's the same with our marriages. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's it's just that same thing. Hey, attention! I've got to date my wife. I've got to, I've got to pray to God. Hey, God, help me to see my wife. Help me to love my wife the way you love her every single day. Because if I don't do that, yeah, guess what? You get comfortable and you don't do it, and you, yeah, uh, that's where I find myself a lot. Is I'm like, how did I get back to here? How did I? How did I, how could I have been so repentant and so like, I've got to, something's got to change, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I somehow get comfortable again being uh, not intentional or not dating my wife or not doing these things. Mm-hmm. And she, again, we have to come back to the same thing again. It's like, you're not giving me what I need as a husband. And I'm like, wow, what? how did I get here? My intention is to do that. Like, I want it so bad. You know what? I, 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 sometimes I don't think I have. We talk about frameworks. I don't. Sometimes I don't think I have a framework. If I had a list where somebody's like, "Here are the things that you need to do on a daily basis to make sure that your wife feels loved and secure, and like you are that, like you care and that you're fighting for her." Mm-hmm. Here's a list. Do this every day, right? Then I'd be like, "All right, I'm gonna do that. I need an Amazon list of things to do, right? This is." And then, but I don't have that list, and so because I don't have that list, sometimes maybe I just need to make my own. Probably there we go, you know. But that, if so, I feel like somebody just showed me the ropes about how to be a good husband. I could be a good husband, and I could have it before me. And maybe that's where accountability comes in. Maybe that's where community comes in. Mm-hmm. Hey, have you loved your wife the way you're supposed to love your wife today? Hey, these resolutions that you made to take care of your wife and take care of your family in this kind of way—have you been doing it? I don't know. Um, but but I, I, it's weird how it'll come back, and I'm like. I'll come to this realization. It's like, man, I've not been the man and the husband that I've needed to be for my mm-hmm. for my family because you you just get comfortable. It's like, I, it's that delusion. It's the delusion that if I don't take action, that it's gonna be okay. And it's not gonna be it's okay. Gonna be it's okay. action. One thing I've learned is that nothing is neutral. No, no decision or indecision you make is neutral. It's going to have positive effects or it's going to have negative mm-hmm. effects. Period. You're yeah. moving one way or you're moving the next, but there's no middle ground. There's not. There's not, without a doubt. I, I've, I've said over and over and over um, in, in the men's groups that I've led and stuff like that, I'm like, men need three things. They need a code to live by. Mm-hmm. They yeah. need clear expectations to meet. And they got to know who they are. That's good. That's good. But I can't write that. And the yeah. only person who can hold you accountable to those 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 two yeah. are you. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can't hold you accountable to mm-hmm. it. I, I, I mean... You know, earlier I talked to you. I, you know, I shared a little bit of my story of my my addiction to pornography for years. Mm-hmm. Bro, I can't ask you to be my my. Yeah. So, my hey, man, did you look at porn today? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, That's not gonna stop you. But yeah. it's not gonna stop me because yeah. there's no real accountability. It doesn't hurt you. Yeah, yeah. I, when guys come to me, mm-hmm. and, and I, I've had guys in my small group, hey man, this is what I'm doing. I'm like, bro, you need to tell your wife. And they're like, huh? I'm yeah. like, the person that's hurting is her. Yeah. And so until you're accountable to her. Mm-hmm. No one else telling me may make you feel good. Yeah. For yep, about that long. Yeah. Oh, I did it, man. Got this. Good for you. High five for you. Yeah. But really, man, let's talk about how do we have the conversation with the wife. Yeah. 
How do you ask her to be your accountability partner? Mm-hmm. How do you do those things? So that's, but that's a whole other. <laughs> I'll be back. I'll yeah, be back on that. But I'll just sit. I'll just sit on that couch and let you counsel me. No, man. <laughs> yeah, tell I mean, me what you know, sir. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's, it's not me. It's it's just being open and yeah. going. Hey, God, give me those things. And and he has, you know. I mean, it's been it's been amazing to. It was funny. So 2020, I probably started doing more writing than I ever did, and it was perfect because I was able to shut down and sit and write this this desk. And he just he gave me words. This desk. This desk. This desk. Um, and he just gave me so many words and so much, so much, so much vision um, for my my desire, my passion to see men become. And I don't, I hate using the word leaders now mm-hmm. because I think it, there's this connotation like that means I'm I'm like this business guy, but it's just being the men we're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. And to me, leadership is is influence. And so, how are you leading? And like you said a minute ago, mm-hmm. like doing nothing. There's influence, so it's yeah. like, hey, if you choose to live under a rock and do mm-hmm. nothing, guess what? You're, you're, there's an influence that's being put out there, and it's a bit, it's a bad one. Mm-hmm. You know, um, people they'll be like, hey, I'm not a leader. I'm like, do you have people in your life? Yeah. Do you do you interact with people at all? And they're like, yes, yeah. and you are a leader because they're watching you whether you think they are not. Your life is telling a story one way or something's being written, and they're reading what's being written mm-hmm. whether you you are being intentional about what's going on that page or not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so you come home, you're, you're here in Auburn yeah, and yeah. you decide to open up a restaurant, open up a food truck. Yeah. All right. That's, that's my wife's thing for the most part. All right. Beginning, so that was, it, was it her starting? Was that cause you said you were working at the university, correct? Yeah. I got a job working with international students at the university as an advisor uh-huh. with a company called Shorelight. Mm-hmm. The partnership was called Auburn global. Yeah. So it really was helping bring international students to the university. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was an advisor, and 90% of my students were Chinese. My wife and I had joked about having a food truck in the past. Um, I had taken a picture of some dumplings. They, I fell in love with their dumplings, her mom and her dad and hers as they were, you know. Life-changing. Just, yeah. just, just so everybody knows, like, life-changing. I had them last night oh. at, like, 11 p.m., and I was like, these are so good. I'm so glad this way that we're doing them is back. Um, yeah, oh. And so uh, I remember taking a picture of some dumplings they were making and put it on Instagram, hashtag dumps like a truck, right? From the thong song. And I was like, that's hilarious. That'd be a funny food truck name. And who knew? Years, few <laughs> years later, we'd have a food truck. And so um, when we were, the journey is that sh- I was with my job for almost a year and a half. I was not feeling like I was, I, I was discipling some guys. I had all these guys I was pouring into and they were spending time with me and I feel like God had brought me back for a purpose, but I was reducing my life down to my profession. I was mm. like, I don't feel like I'm using all these talents that God's given me, and I don't feel like I'm getting paid enough. I don't feel like I'm valued like I should be. And <clears throat> at one point, my boss sent me back over to China to do recruiting. I was there for a few weeks. I felt like I knocked it out of the park, and I was like, I felt valued. I felt affirmed. Mm. I felt, And they even said, like, if you come over here, we'll get you a job in management immediately doing this. And I was like, oh, maybe I need to move back to China and do something different. And I remember this door opening and God, you know, people say, well, God, you know, God will shut one door and open. I feel like God opened this door for the sole purpose because he's so relational of walking with me hand in hand, in hand over to that and closing it together. Because along the way, I'm learning his heart. Mm-hmm. I'm learning what he wants for me. And though I have the freedom to go through that door if I want to, because I'm walking intimately with him, I know that's not the right decision. I close that door. He would have turned it out for the best. Mm-hmm. But so he closed that door. And my wife was at a job that she did not like. 
and she's like, what if we start a food truck? And I'm, I'm all in on this. And for me, I was like, but I get to be so relational with my students. Like, how can I be relational with people if I'm on a food truck? Mm-hmm. And so I was the one hesitant. But we did sit down. We sat down at Crate Myrtle, that little restaurant that yeah. used to exist over there. And when we started talking about the food truck, we said, what are we going to do? Okay, it needs to be this, this, and this. And we need to have a cause attached that's really meaningful. And I said, above all, we need to call it Dumps Like a Truck. Right? And so we we sat down. We, had, we got our vision. We got how we were going to do it. And, and that girl just put her foot on the gas and just made it happen. Um, got the food truck built. She quit her job. And so we were living off of what, what I was making for a short time. But she was making the food truck come come alive. It was a food trailer. We say a food truck. No, I remember it was a it trailer. Wasn't. It was like 10 feet. I mean, and it was tiny. And we didn't... It was everything in there was makeshift. And we drilled holes and got these, these camper you know, griddle things from Dick's Sporting Goods and we ran propane tanks through it and it just, but God blessed it and it took off. And so we started the food truck, um, taking it out to, community, to the community, taking it out to uh, where Chinese students live to offer authentic, 100% authentic Chinese bows and dumplings and give them a taste of home. The reason, which might be on your list, the question, why did we start it? Um, not just to become our own bosses, but so that we could... When I was in China, I would go to Starbucks. And I tell the people this all the time. I go to Starbucks because it smelled like home. It tasted mm-hmm. like home. It reminded me of home. And sometimes I just needed that. It was very therapeutical. We wanted to give that to Chinese students and international students. And that's a big reason why we started it. And then we also knew that we could give a portion of our profits to helping people in a way that I was really passionate about. The, how do we not just get people to heaven, but how do we bring the kingdom of God to earth? Mm-hmm. How do we bring heaven to earth? How do we bring real change to people who need it? And so we, we started working with kids who were in extreme poverty, living in literal trash dumps, hence dumps like a truck. We're mm-hmm. selling dumps and we're helping kids who live in literal dumps. And, um, and so that's, that's kind of the story of how it started. And then it just, I can tell you how it progressed from there, but, but yes. And I ended up, quitting my job two months after uh, we, we probably had opened maybe 10 times total. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, two months later, I remember God saying, a jerk, the time's going to come where you need to leave your job. Mm-hmm. And, and he walked very closely and intimately with that, with me through that, communicated very clearly. And I took that leap of faith and left my quote unquote secure job. Mm-hmm. So that's Man, it. That's cool. So, so, mm-hmm. yeah, obviously, I mean, I remember the first time I actually, had your dumplings um you were set up out in front of orange theory <laughs> mm-hmm. i got get, that picture too man of, you, you get some of the you got some of the grit there i got the picture and i got the picture yeah down here yes yeah, and i love it i'm gonna chew it <laughs> you can bounce off the wall sponsored by black rifle coffee <laughs> yes there yes, we go we'll take yeah. it um and you know so but I, I can remember that um my wife and i go in there and and, and getting it because she's like man i want to place out i I wanted to but i think you were actually already starting to work on the place that you had downtown your first location downtown i I think or the the goalpost but next to the goalpost not downtown but next to the goalpost april that was april of so within within four or five months we had a place that we were going to use as our commissary and we were just going to park the food truck out there and still take it to other events and stuff but the goal was let's park the food truck here have a solid location where people know to find us we won't run out of food in 30 minutes because the kitchen's right there we yeah. just keep making more and more and more and so because we really there was a cap on what we could make and what we could sell because we could only it wasn't a full-blown food truck yeah. so we were selling out in 20 30 minutes and lines would get crazy long when we would take it to park i mean it was it's freaking awesome um but you know what ended up causing us to start the restaurant 
faster than we had imagined was we were parked on that corner and there's a there's a code in the city that says if you're going to have a food truck it has to be 200 feet away from another restaurant which is good i think that's smart 200 feet from another restaurant or have written permission from that restaurant we were 190 feet away from the restaurant on that corner over there and that the owner of it just could not stand us being there he thought we were taking their business i thought we were adding life to the that corner that corner was kind of jacked up and so yeah. we i thought we were like adding value in life and this guy, God bless him, was just complaining to the city. And we, my wife's like, you know what then? Let's just start this restaurant like that and start doing our transactions inside. And then we don't have to worry about anything, right? And so we did. That caused us, that, that difficulty that we faced with this other business owner and the pressure they were putting on us with, with all kinds of things caused us to start the restaurant faster than we would have. And God just used that. And they very, and then it really drove them nuts because all the parking started getting taken up, and then I remember the lines were stretched down to his door. Like it was, you know, it it was just one of those things. And we, you know, God God really God really blessed us. We tried to walk in that as honorably as possible. And uh, but God, we so the restaurant was, you know, I had some names in mind. I was like, we can't just call it dumps like a truck storefront. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be focused on bow. What can I do? So I had a few play on words. And then there's a very serendipitous conversation with a friend who has stomach issues that mm-hmm. in that moment, after I'd been battling, what am I going to name this place? And I'd even done a poll online and people said, you should choose this name or this name. No. When I had this conversation, I saw it in my head. I saw the image in my head. I saw the name in my head. I saw the steam coming out of the ears. I saw this whole thing that we're doing with the long lines and the good works we're doing. It's called the bowel movement. If you got a hankering for our food, it's called irritable bowel syndrome, whatever. And we could, I, so it was like this whole, that one conversation is where like the creative thing exploded and, yeah. and we were able to do that. So, and then, yes, so that was in April of 2018 that we secured that location. The restaurant opened October 26th of 2018, just 10 months or so after we started the food truck. And then a year and a half, a year after that, in 2019, I found the downtown location, but we didn't move in until, we didn't open until June of 2020. Yeah, you had to do a lot yeah. of renovation in that space. It was men's boutique. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Thanks for letting me tell my story so, like, it's no, long, but, yeah. No, man, I, well, it, it talks about who you are. I mean, and, and Sarah it's funny, you, you, you keep talking about, you know, you're now talking about, you know, how successful the business has become and how God's been on it, but it, to me, I just keep connecting it back to one of the things that, that, that has been what I'm seeing is this connectedness through all of it. Is this, this just this desire to say, to share God's story in your life in a relational way with people by just, Hey man, I'm just, I'm just here to be your buddy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think anybody walks in that. I mean, you and I were talking the other day and every two seconds, either someone was walking in or walking out and you were making it a point to say, Hey, how you doing? How was everything? Mm-hmm. And, and that intentionality to be relational with them, and, and connect with them is is the key. Mm. Like so many of us, I think at times forget that that we we try to make it transactional. Yeah, it can become that way because it gets so busy mm-hmm. sometimes, and and you do things out of habit, and you can't, you know. Uh, but and and I have to remind <laughs> myself of that as well on a on a daily basis. It's like if I want to bear like lasting fruit then I can't make it transactional. Instead of just trying to get through a conversation, I need to seek to impart something. 
Like if I'm seeking to impart something, the Spirit of God can move through that powerfully. If I'm just trying to get through a conversation, I'm making it all about me and what can he do there? You know, he can do anything he wants to, but you know what I mean? Like he, he works through intentional, intentional focus. And so I have to remind myself on a daily basis because I find myself like, oh, man, I, I kind of got to get through this conversation so I can get to the next person. So on a business thing, I want to give everybody attention. But sometimes God has to slow me down and say, hold on, this person needs... This person in particular needs more attention, mm-hmm. and whether you're trying to impart something, not just like like I'm imparting wisdom, something that makes them smile, mm-hmm. something that makes them feel valued. Um, you you feed their soul in a little bit, not just their body. Yeah. Like God can bring lasting fruit through that. You know what I mean? They might it might not bear fruit until later on, but but seeds are being planted not by accident, but through intentional things. And so uh, this personal reminder, I have to do this on a, on a daily basis because otherwise I'll get there and I'll get tired like I didn't sleep much last night. I could go to work, put my feet up and just, I could say hate everybody and from a customer service standpoint that could be good but from a kingdom standpoint am I really doing anything? You know? And people would know. People people yeah. smell it. Yeah. People yeah. know the smell of fate. Yeah. Like, oh my I don't gosh. care yeah. what yeah. anybody says. They know the smell of fate. It's funny. I mean, as you were saying that, there were two different stories out of the Bible that came to mind. One was the woman who touched the hymn but yeah. then there was, you know, because like God stopped. Like yeah. he knew at that moment there was a, a relational impact that had happened. Yeah. But also think about Zacchaeus. Yeah. And yeah. I love that story because mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. like there's just, just, what, do you really think he saw him up in the tree? Hey, you. Yeah. Yeah. Like he could have just kept walking. Hey, man, I got things to do. Yeah. But not only did he stop and and, and, and make it a point to talk to him, mm-hmm. he was like, hey, I want to go have lunch with you, bro. Yeah. And so there was this this willingness to step in and be intentional and build a relationship. And, and that, I mean, you just think of how many lives, how many stories have been probably told and impacted from that one moment that happened over 2000 years ago. Yeah. You forget sometimes how much God loves the person in front of you. Mm. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we like, we always think about how much he loves us so we can recenter ourselves and recalibrate ourselves and stuff. But like, like we, it is so easy to forget, like, especially when somebody's broken or loud and disorderly and just a terrible person, <laughs> you know, from like a worldly standpoint, like that, like I've been that guy. how much I've been that guy, <laughs> like how much God loves that person and how much he wants to break into that person's life. And if you'll let him, he can use you to do that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, and he'll speak very specifically about a situation about that person. If you let him, I think one of the, one of the most profound things is that like uh, Jesus served as the example in so many ways, but I love that it said he didn't do anything without, he, he, he only did what he saw the Father doing, and he only said what he heard the Father say, mm. right? And that means that he was always connected. That means, that means two things for me. Number one, he was always connected to the Father. And number two, it was because he was wanting to say and wanting to do that he heard and that he saw. It's because he postured himself as a servant that he saw what the Father was doing, and he heard what the father was saying and was able to relay that and speak into that situation the way that he did. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Makes so there's a connection sense. between hearing the voice of God and posturing yourself as a servant. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if my posture is to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve this person, then I open myself up to seeing what the father's doing and saying. And so it's when I, when the, when I can kind of clear, close my eyes and kind of block out the noise in this moment of intentionality that if I open myself up to it, God can speak very, very specifically about that person's situation. Um, I've had, um, 
I remember when God would start giving me names for people. It was just the most wild thing. I remember sitting in sure. in in, uh, in Columbus, and I was at just with some buddies. And I remember just praying about this, our waitress. And I'm like, what's God saying about this girl right here? And I got up and went to the bathroom. And the name, the name, I kept hearing Jer, Jerry, Jer, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Like Jeremiah just came. I was taking a whiz. And Jeremiah came into it. So I heard son first, and then I heard Jeremiah. And I was like, that's weird. Okay. So anyway, I went back out there, and, and, and I just asked her. And I said, hey, do you have a son? And she's like, well, yeah, I got a son. That's, you know, she's young, too. She's like, I do have a son. And she went out, and I was like, okay, cool, I'm one for one. Let me just try this out. And I said, is his name Jeremy or Jeremiah? I was like, I keep hearing, I was like, Jeremiah? And she looked at me real funny. She's like, do you, do you know my husband? Do you know? She's like, so my name, my husband's name is Jeremy. And I was like, oh, okay, swing and a miss, you know, but that's interesting. And then she's like, but my son's name is Jeremiah. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is cool. And so what that did was, it, it, I was like, I know this sounds really weird, okay, but... I believe God was speaking to me specifically about your son. He gave me your son's name. He told me you had a son. He gave me your son's name because he wanted to encourage you in this moment about your son. And so I got to speak life into this girl's situation just because I took the time while I was peeing to listen to God instead of pulling out my phone and be distracted. Another guy was in my Bible study. And, to be honest, I don't ever pull the phone out when I'm peeing. He says, cool. I do. It's multitask, man. Yeah, I'm multitasking. No multitasking. So, uh, you you know? dribble on my pants. That's what you have to do. It's never good. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. But no, but that's that stuff like that. And, and uh, guy, we, we try to provide a safe place for how is God speaking in this moment. You know, you're asking Jesus, what do you think of me? You're, you're, you're positioning yourself to hear from him. Like you're, you're saying that with an expectation that he's going to speak. And that's faith. And when you do, he does, you know? And so uh, I remember just being like, I know this is a weird man, but like, I can't remember what her name was. I was like, do you have a do you have a cousin named like Angelina? Or do you have somebody in your life named Angelina or Angel- Angelica or something just really, really off like that? And he's like, I got a cousin that, uh, I mean, I was really close to her before. I lived in LA trying to do some acting stuff with her before. I haven't talked to her in a few years. And I said, I said, man, just check in on her. Just, you know, just check and see how she's doing and just... Whatever, and he called me the next day and said, "Whitley, you won't believe this. She was in a boating accident two days ago and is in the hospital right now, and she really needed prayer. And the fact that I was able to call and leave a voicemail and say, "Hey, I don't know what's going on, but God laid you on my heart in in a very specific way, and I just wanted to check on you," like spoke volumes to her because he God cares enough about her to lay his her name on somebody else's heart in that moment. You know what, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's been, it's been like that with, with healing situations and things like that. So, so, uh, in, in the midst of the busyness, if I can slow down enough to tap into what God's saying and doing right now, man, not only am I going to be fulfilled and walking out my purpose, but like the world's going to change, but it's hard. It's hard when you're transactional. It's hard when you're just trying to get through conversations. Mm-hmm. It's hard when you're just making it all about you and Am I presenting myself in the way that that is acceptable, or that people should the masks, right? Oh yeah, the poser. Yeah, poser. I, I remember writing one time, like I, I don't know what it was, but I was like, you know, where you when where you're wearing a mask, your crown won't fit right. Ooh, so like wow. where where there is no real, there can be no rule, you know. So there's no there's no reigning where there's where there's fakery, right? And and so if you're, that means you're making it all about you. You're making it about how you're presenting yourself and, 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 uh, and posing, like you said. And I heard somebody say one time, like, God can't bless who you pretend to be. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty profound. 
But for me, it's like if I'm if I'm wearing a mask and I'm making it all about myself and how I appear to other people, then I cannot reign in life. I can't. My crown is not fit. So. No, that's man. That's so true. I never even thought. I I love that. You're right, because I mean, it's so true. Like you, 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 it doesn't fit when you're trying to be something else. Mm -hmm. I mean, and and it's. I mean, for me, it is something, and it's probably for everybody, yes. But I, I. when I think about um, like, hey, what are my values? What are the things that are important to me? What are the, what's natural? My wiredness, like an intentional and authentic me, is is. And any time I try to get out of that, mm-hmm. I might as well just be beating my head on the wall. <laughs> and trust me, I've got a lot of walls I beat my head on. <laughs> and eventually, I figured yeah. out it's like, oh yeah, that's, that's the why, you were talking about yeah, on the wall earlier. Yeah, that that that's why I, I'm not being successful here. Yeah. And and it's and it's in that that willingness to be vulnerable, that in that willingness to. Um, to step into that. I mean, and it's one of the reasons that when I led my small group, it, the physical side of the small group was so important to me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because there's a vulnerability there that everybody out there has to share. Yeah. And it was, man, I mean, and this is about you, but I, I want to share these stories because I Please. think it's, it's cool. Um, like when I would go out and I would, I would, I would lead my small, lead the small group, these, these guys, and we would go run these these obstacle courses, right? And it was just we would get to these points where there was like a there was a six foot wall in this course that we would run, right? It's not a very big wall, mm-hmm. but I would see these guys because I, I, sometimes I would get in the front or sometimes I'd be in the back. But these guys would come up around a corner. You could see their face change when they saw that wall. And then there would be a guy that was in front of them, or maybe a guy that was running in the back with some of them, mm-hmm. and would run up to the wall mm-hmm. and drop down to their knee, hmm. mud. Come on, I got you. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Everything changed. Yeah. So all of a sudden you just see that mask kind of go, wait a minute, like this guy's, mm-hmm. like he sees me out here dying, barely able to make it over this wall, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let alone run a mile. And then we get back to the truck after training and be like, okay, so let's talk about what's going on in our lives. You know, mm-hmm. what are our struggles as men? What are... How do we love our our wives better, or whatever the conversation we were having that night was, and they were okay with sharing because they knew at that moment mm-hmm. that they actually had someone who literally and physically mm-hmm. had their back. Yeah, yeah, saw them at their weakest, saw the fact that they were scared when they saw that wall, yeah. and then like and and the cool thing is just then they would do that for eight weeks mm-hmm. and then we'd go do this like I, I remember one guy in particular and we'll have to have him on but I, I can remember him the first day he came out we were running this thing and we get to this there's there's these monkey bars you get, we, we wanted to do and There's we had a couple rules of small group if you were late we had what was called burpee integrity you you, you would owe the group 10 burpees right okay. another rule was yeah. um, yuck we don't burpees. we don't we don't let yeah our tribe fail. Like mm-hmm. we are here to pick up. If you can't do your burpees, mm-hmm. I will carry that load for you till you can. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and so when we would run these obstacles, also if you, if we ran these obstacles and you weren't able to finish obstacles, there was a penalty that went on. So there was, there was, there was, you know, love and grace and truth and all that stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you couldn't do it and then you couldn't do your burpees and someone else was stepping in. It was really cool. It was really kind of a powerful thing. It started off as a joke, this burpee yeah. integrity, but then it turned into this, this thing where guys were like, Hey, I can't post, I can't make small group. And they'd post their video 
Ah. Them doing their Tim Burke. He's nice. Like, hey, this is freaking strong. Yeah. But this one guy, he's like, we're running our first one mile. And he's like, I'm like, bro, just, I'm running with him and I'm speaking, you know, hey, remember Christ gives you strength. I can do all things to Christ's strength mm-hmm. in me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, stop thinking about the end of the race. Stop yeah. thinking about the, the one mile running to find a tree. Mm. Tell me which tree you want to run to and let's run to that one. Mm. Don't, don't worry about anything else. Yeah. Which tree is it? All right, cool. And he'd get up to that tree. I'm like, you need to stop? You good? No, no. Hey, man, the next tree's here. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. And, 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 and you would see that confidence building in them. But we got to this point where you got these monkey bars and he's pretty spent and everybody's doing them. Um, some guys weren't able to complete it because it, it was a long thing. I mean, it's yeah. a lot on the old shoulders when you're an old man. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so some guys are doing burpees. He gets up, it's his turn and he gets on and he's like one, two and gets like four or five and he just falls off. He's like, I'll do my burpees. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, all right, dude, like we got you. Like we see that you're hurting and yeah. struggling and in pain and, and he decides to do them and then all of a sudden he starts going just kind of pale and I'm like, stop and some of the other guys started doing it I'm like you are not going to die yeah, yeah. I promise you I yeah. will not let you die yeah, yeah. but the story is <laughs> at the end of the semester at the end of the time of us together he went and ran a 12 mile race with us through the mountains of Asheville North Carolina that's sweet <laughs> he wasn't the fastest he wasn't yeah. the strongest were, but it wasn't about that yeah, yeah. it was about this journey of trust and now I see him the way he leads his family the intentionality the authenticity mm. and how his willingness to take this this mask off so that his crown can fit on yeah. his head yeah. as a father and as a husband and as a son mm-hmm. of the king, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and it was just it was just it was cool yeah. to watch it and see that happen. So it just made me think about that when you were talking about that and, and, and what he did. Well, hey guys, I uh, just want to say thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Trailblazer Podcast. And if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and stay tuned for more inspiring stories of men making a difference in this world, just like Whitley's. Remember, you too can be a trailblazer in your own way. Until next time, keep blazing your trails.